The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you for the honor of being your homilist on this Sunday morning. Our passage from the Gospel of John today reflects a turning point in the life and ministry of Jesus. John places us at the crossroads of Jesus's life where he is concluding his public ministry and moving forward onto his journey to Jerusalem where he will be betrayed, tried, convicted, and put to physical death. In this season of Lent, we walk with Jesus as companions we strive to understand his pain. We acknowledge his suffering and isolation, but we also quietly rejoice in anticipation of Jesus's promise 
of eternal life, where we will be forgiven of our sins and live in joyful communion with God. In our readings of the Gospels throughout the year, we have known Jesus as teacher and healer, purveyor of social justice, and the voice of God's will. Jesus' ministry is full of passion, mystery, prayer, and adventure. Today, as we look for Jesus, we find him at a festival. I imagine a grove of olive trees filled with men and women eating and drinking, children chasing one another around, and elders tending the smoky fires where lamb is being slowly cooked over coals in stone-rimmed fire pits. Mediterranean spices of capers, coriander, and cumin delight the senses and whet the appetite for the banquet that is to come. No doubt religious beliefs and philosophical ideas have fomented lively conversations throughout the day and perhaps lead the two Greek men who are introduced at the beginning of this story to say, let us go find Jesus, the one who they say is a holy man and a prophet. Sir, we wish to see Jesus, they say to Philip and Andrew. But Jesus does not go out to meet these men. Rather, he responds, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. For these Greek men and everyone else seeking to find the living physical Jesus that day, history is about to unfold in a way that they will experience but find hard to comprehend. Jesus' life as the earthbound teacher and prophet for the people of first century Israel is coming to closure. God's incarnate son is moving forward into the eschatological fulfillment of his purpose on earth. The understanding of that purpose and the path that he must take was made to him through a life of prayer and in an intimate relationship with God the Father. In his humanity and divine natures, Jesus not only seeks direction and comfort from God, but too he seeks companionship from other people. He worships, teaches, heals, and feels pain in community. He models the relationship that God seeks to have with us and the relationship that God asks us to have with one another. And faced with evidence to the contrary, he sees God's beloved as worthy of stewardship, of defending, respecting, reconciling, and even dying for. Jesus is the grain of wheat that must be cast to the ground and must die to bring life to all of humanity for all times. It is difficult to see death as new life. This year, I once again honored my father-in-law by pruning my roses on President's Day. My father-in-law, Russell, was convinced that President's Day was the day that Oregon roses had to be pruned. Russell passed away a number of years ago, but as President's Day approaches, each year I start to hear his voice in my head, and I know that there is no escaping this perennial task. This year, my son asked if I would teach him how to prune roses. Sure, I said, it's done on President's Day. There was almost four inches of snow on the ground on February 15th, and I could see that my son was a little skeptical of my knowledge base. He was more doubtful when I scooped away the snow and cut the four-foot plants down to six inches above the ground. I could tell he thought for sure that these four roses 
would never survive such brutal treatment. I told them they have to die of sorts. They have to die back in order to bud forth a new life again in the spring. And snow, that extra punch of nature is actually a blessing. They will grow back even stronger. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, God's incarnate son, knows he must die to bring new life. He understands that he is a part of God's natural world where death is a necessary part of life. But too, with the self-knowledge of his own divinity, he understands that through his death, he will establish a covenant of new life with humanity, where physical death begins a more intimate communion with God, our creator. John's gospel is a bit different than Matthew and Mark in how he portrays Jesus coming to terms with his own death. Matthew and Mark express more of Jesus' troubled thoughts at being crucified. It is a terrible death indeed that he must face. John's gospel, which was written much later than Matthew and Mark, depicts the thought processes of Jesus as he comes to further embrace his own divinity and place in God's history of salvation. This deeper understanding of his purpose is echoed in the Pauline letter to the Hebrews as well. Over the course of our lives, we are molded by the families in which we are born, by the spirit that is breathed into us at birth, and by the gifts and challenges of the society in which we are placed. Through prayer and faithful seeking, we strive to make meaning and purpose of God's plans for our lives. It is a lifelong process, one we are invited to partner with God to redo and remake over and over. In what seems to have been a Lenten season for over a year now, many of us are ready for Easter. But I remind you that in this unprecedented Lenten season, the noise of the norm, which typically blots out so much of our senses, was quieted. And in the space of the Lenten quiet, we could hear more clearly the cry of the oppressed, the roar of the status quo, and the voice of the righteous. In these final weeks of the Lenten season, I invite you to stay wedded to these powerful last days and to experience them with all their potential to lay the groundwork for renewal and rebirth. I invite you to reflect on what parts of our lives need to die away so that we can grow closer in our relationship with Christ and with our neighbor and with our fragile planet Earth. In the quiet of this Lenten season, let not our own grieving or that of our neighbor be shunned or politely put away. Our call up today reminds us that among the swift and varied changes of the world, we are to fix our hearts where true joys are to be found. It is with Jesus Christ our Lord where we find the courage to journey through the challenging times of our Lenten lives. As people of faith, we live and serve in the tension between what is and the hope of what we can be. In our faith, we find the courage to stand in righteous solidarity with the oppressed and the disenfranchised living among us, hidden perhaps from our eyes, but not those of God. As we near the end of this penitential season and look forward to the glory of God's redemption, Deeming joy, let us pray. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Amen. listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at Our Savior Mill Valley. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.